0: On Saturday, Oklahoma travels to Lubbock to take on the Red Raiders of Texas Tech. It's a night game at Tech, so that means it presents an interesting challenge for a team vying to be a participant in the college football playoff. However, it appears the national story of this game is about two players who no longer play for either program. That would, of course, be Baker Mayfield and Patrick Mahomes, who two years ago played in the most offensively potent game in college football history. Bruce Feldman has an excellent long-form story on that game that he wrote for the Atlantic. I would highly recommend checking it out. It's worth your time. Mayfield and Mahomes will also be meeting in their first NFL head-to-head showdown this week, so it makes sense why the media is running with this narrative. So, I will indulge them. But I'd rather briefly mention some other players who had an incredible game on that October night in 2016. For instance... Joe Mixon literally had 377 total yards of offense in that game and consistently flashed the skills that make him one of the 10 best running backs in the world. 263 yards on 31 carries, 114 yards on four catches, and five total touchdowns. Not including special teams, that's a better stat line than Reggie Bush's famous game against Fresno State in 2005 in which he had 362 total yards of offense. In the third quarter, Mixon casually snagged a swing pass from Mayfield out of the backfield with one hand and galloped past half of the Tech defense to the end zone. The TV cameras caught Mayfield after the play laughing and shaking his head, seemingly saying, that was all Joe, and he made it look easy. You guys remember Dee Westbrook? Coming off the most prolific three-game stretch for a receiver in Oklahoma history, Dee put up a ho-hum nine-catch, 202-yard performance and caught two of Mayfield's seven touchdown passes. Those two scores would make 10 touchdowns over four games for Dee, which is patently absurd. I welcome you all to go to YouTube to watch highlights of that game. Pay attention to Dede's first touchdown, which happened on OU's second possession. Tech is playing man coverage on the outside against him, and the result is possibly the most brutal burning of a defensive back I've seen in decades— it's hilarious and is certainly worth multiple views. But now let's shift to Saturday night. Oklahoma's offense is operating at a level we've never seen before, which seems crazy to say after what we witnessed last season. And I think we might see some video game-like numbers from the guys on this edition of Oklahoma. When I watch Texas Tech's defense, I see a very aggressive unit that is capable of making plays they haven't been able to in the past, but also a unit that gives up an alarming amount of chunk plays. You know, Kyler Murray, C.D. Lamb, Kennedy Brooks, Lee Morris, and a hopefully healthy Marquise Brown are looking to take advantage of a vulnerable Texas Tech defense. And of course, do not forget about the big guys up front. They're developing into a monster unit at the perfect time, like they seemingly do every November under Lincoln Riley. Let's hope if there's any mojo left over from that 2016 game, it stays solidly with the Crimson and Cream. I'm Grant Benson, it's Championship November, and this is West of Everest. Try to stop the third and
1: five. Mixon is left alone out of the backfield and with a one-handed reception, he stays on his feet and scores again. 43 yards, magic, Mixon. Joe Mixon welcomes us into the latest edition of West of Everest. His 43-yard touchdown catch a couple of years ago in Lubbock put the Sooners up 44-31 in the third quarter. OU famously went on to beat Texas Tech 66-59 in what we have described multiple times on this podcast as perhaps the worst football game ever played. But at least the Sooners won back on October 22nd. 2016 hey everybody I'm Lee Benson you heard Grant at the top with his opening take much about that game in 2016 against Texas Tech I'll bring him back in a moment to touch on one of the bigger news stories of the week the Browns fire Hugh Jackson and it seems like everybody in the media link Lincoln Riley to the Browns head coaching job then we'll jump into the matchup between Oklahoma and Texas Tech this will undoubtedly be the most difficult test most difficult test of the season excuse me for the Sooners defense we'll explain why that is plus you probably heard all week that the, that the Texas Tech defense is much improved this year is that true and does that means Oklahoma's offense is in a bit of trouble come Saturday those topics and much more coming up in the show but before we do all of that let me thank everybody out there who's taken the time to leave a rating and or a review on iTunes the ratings and reviews continue to pour in We do prefer five-star ratings because we think this is a five-star caliber podcast. Yeah, I'm biased, but I do listen to a bunch of podcasts, and I think this is one of the better ones, especially podcasts about Oklahoma football, particularly. So if you've got a moment, feel free to give us that five-star rating, and if you'd like to leave us a nice review, that'd be nice as well. You know, those reviews and ratings help us with the iTunes rankings, and also if you subscribe to the podcast, that helps as well. Your feedback means a lot to us, and it helps drive us to produce an even better product week to week. Also, we're on Facebook. Find the West of Evers Facebook page and give us a like to stay up to date with the show. I know we haven't done as many Facebook Live videos since the season started. That's because our schedule is different now with two shows per week, so we apologize for the inconvenience. I'm sure all of you on Facebook who like the show are missing those Facebook Live videos. I'm sure you all are. Those Facebook Lives are just more doable I got to say, in the off season. So, as far as interacting with Grant and I, Facebook is still great for that. You can um, get on there, send us messages, send us comments on Facebook, and we'll get back to you as soon as possible. Twitter, I'm at Lee Benson, News 9. Grant is at GrantBenson25. And finally, email. Every once in a while, we'll get some pretty good emails still. You can email the show west of Everest at gmail.com. All right, Grant, it's November. Ou likes playing in November in recent years, and the Sooners have a pretty big one this Saturday.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's just with the uh, with the calendar turning over November. I don't know, Lee. I'm I'm pretty fired up, and uh, I mean, just yeah, you
1: and the rest of the Sooners.
0: I know. I mean, they're they're playing well. Things are looking good right now. They seem to be in a you know fairly good position, um, in, in the college football rankings. And yeah, I don't know. There's just ever since Lincoln Riley has stepped foot in Norman, Lee, OU has been an absolute monster in the month of november haven't lost a game in november since lincoln riley's been on campus
1: that's incredible that really is incredible i heard
0: about that earlier this
1: week and yeah
0: that uh that's cool hey they also they also haven't they also haven't lost a true road game since he showed up on campus either so and you know what they also have not won a national championship grant yeah i mean we we we, we could just do this all show if we wanted to (laughs) (laughs) the
1: most important thing they have not won Uh, all right Let's talk briefly on Lincoln Riley and all this NFL talk. Hugh Jackson, Todd Haley, both fired on Monday. Seemingly every single talking head immediately mentioned Lincoln Riley should be the Browns' first phone call for this job. Now, Riley was asked about his interest in coaching in the NFL at his Monday press conference. It's a question that Riley knew was coming, and this was his answer. I always want to be truthful. Um, the truth is for me is I love Oklahoma. Uh, I love coaching here. I love college football. I certainly don't have that itch right now. I uh, don't know that I ever will, but I'm never going to be a guy that's going to stand up here and say no way, no how will any of these things ever happen. I, I, I don't know that, but I, I know right now I could care less about the NFL. We're trying, to, we're trying to win this game and trying to make a run that we all think we have in us right now. Grant, Hugh Jackson, fired. You just heard Lincoln Riley talking about his NFL interest. Your thoughts on this entire story?
0: I mean, I think it would be a dereliction of duty on the part of the Browns front office if Lincoln Riley wasn't their first call. I mean, he's got to be. Why wouldn't he be? Um, Having that been said, I don't don't think we have really any sort of reason to not take Lincoln Riley at his word as of right now. But, I don't know, things can always change, but... um, And I know that was kind of the a topic so far this week, but I'm not particularly concerned. He seems like a guy who seems, you know, pretty happy where he is right now. You seemed a bit concerned a couple days ago when we were texting about it when it first came out. Yeah, it's called, you know, sitting back and reflecting on it. I I don't think there's a whole lot to be worried about as of right now.
1: Uh, I got a a little bit of a spiel on it. First off, though, I want to knock Lincoln Riley, though, for something because he, you know, all we do is is praise him on the show. And why wouldn't we? He's a. He's an incredible offensive genius and so far been a very good head coach. And I'd like to think that he's somebody who painstakingly pays attention to detail because he has to be. But man, I could care less. It's, I couldn't care less, coach. Come on, get it right. I couldn't
0: care less about the job. I knew that's where you were going. That's so, you're so lame. But no, I, I'm
1: not. That's that's a it's a huge pet peeve of mine.
0: Yeah, it's it's a pet peeve of mine too. But it's it's clearly something that people just say, so might as well. I'm let Pretty it. sure I, I I saw a news story recently that
1: like the dictionary or something that that sets standards for speech actually allowed that to both of those sayings to be fine, which is terrible. Our culture is degrading, and we are uh, lowering our standards to a, a spot which I'm not sure I'm comfortable. So, um, having said that, though. I I don't. I'm like you. I don't think Oklahoma fans have anything to worry about right now when it comes to Lincoln Riley NFL. Notice how he immediately mentions in his answer that he always wants to be honest. Riley truly does want to be honest. I believe when he speaks publicly, and I think that's an incredibly refreshing thing when it comes to not just a football coach but just a, a sports coach in general. You know, of course, there are topics within a matchup when he's talking about an opponent that he may not be entirely truthful about, but that's just gamesmanship and. It's expected. Every coach does stuff like that. You know, my stance on Riley NFL has been pretty clear for months, and it's something that I've said on this podcast before, if you're a listener that's, that's listened to a lot of the episodes. You know, Lincoln Riley, he's only 35 years old. He loves college football, and he made that clear on Monday. He enjoys this age group of the kids. He likes that they're in a spot where you can kind of teach them and help them develop into, into becoming strong men. And he also said that he enjoys the rivalries of college football back on Monday. Riley literally got his first head coaching job a year and change ago. He's one and a half years into being a head coach. So I think a part of being a good head coach is knowing what you don't know. And while I'm sure Riley is qualified at this point to be a head coach in the NFL, simply based on his talents coaching up offense, uh, I think Riley also knows that he's young and he doesn't have any NFL experience. Think about all the college experience that Lincoln Riley has gotten, even being 35 years old. He'd been an assistant coach or a coordinator in college for 10 years before he got the OU head coaching job. That's incredible. So I think Riley is just is, – he's young enough to coach in college, have a ton of success in college, and then when he feels like he needs a bigger challenge, then he can jump to the NFL at still what would probably be a pretty young age. He's got a rare opportunity, and I've said this before, to dominate college football and then get a chance to dominate in the NFL. He's got plenty of time to master the college game, learn some more about what it takes to be a great head coach. Then eventually, I do think he'll want to go to the NFL. He's too much of a competitor not to. But right now, I believe him. He's not going anywhere. And the only thing I think that can potentially change that is if Oklahoma wins the national championship this season. I say that because I can't imagine Riley leaving Oklahoma before he brings another national title to the school. He just seems incredibly hungry for that, especially after how close the Sooners got a year ago, and then he he also tasted it, you know, a couple of years ago in 2015 as well. So, uh, that's my thoughts on Lincoln Riley. And Grant, I wonder if Riley has talked to Bob Stoops at all about how to handle all these NFL questions.
0: Cleveland should uh, should hire Stoops. Seriously, they they should. I don't think I don't think Stoops wants to coach, man. No, I, think, I don't. I'm I don't to think come he come around. I think I don't I think, think he, really he does is either. Just retired. I, I don't think he does either, but. If I if I was John Dorsey, I'd give I'd give Stoops a call. Why not? Just a, just uh, just a chat. How's it going? Well, I mean, feel Lincoln Riley. I mean, to to throw a feeler out there. I don't know. I think I think Stoops would like it. He wouldn't have to recruit. Yeah, it's Cleveland though. I mean, I know he's an Ohio guy. That's so where he's. Probably, I mean, he's basically from yeah. Cleveland. So I saw a uh, I saw an interesting tweet this week. It was from Travis Haney, who was the beat reporter for the Oklahoman uh, for one year. I can't remember what season it was. I think it was either thirteen or fourteen, but. He said, uh, "He said something on the lines of, I was always told that the one NFL job Bob Soups would leave for is Cleveland. He's a Browns fan. He grew up in Cleveland. Huh? He's a Browns fan. Well, I mean, as as loose as that term can be, like you know, if there actually are, did he really grow up in Cleveland? At the area, in the same, like in the same, kind of s- like like LeBron. Yeah, he like he grew up in Akron He grew up and- in Youngstown, which is which oh, is yeah, near Cleveland. Guy. So okay."
1: I don't know. It would be interesting. Yeah.
0: I mean, I'm, I'm just throwing it out there. It's not going to happen, but that'd be cool. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? It would be interesting. I
1: I mean, it'd be hilarious if, you know, all that talk about – I mean, it was early on in Stoops' career, obviously, at Oklahoma, all the NFL talk, and then after time went by, it his name really wasn't attached anymore because it was like, okay, this guy is staying in college. You know, after all these years, he retires, and then he finally does go to the NFL, and it's to the Browns would be an incredible story. It would have been an absolutely incredible story. Uh, the last thing on this topic before we move on, I think this this uh, news story is it's kind of cool for us because we're we're right there. We follow Oklahoma incredibly close. We've been following. Well, I mean, you've been following Lincoln Riley a lot closer than me ever since he got to Oklahoma. Me more the last two years, really, kind of since the middle of 2016. Point being, when his name comes up, and you know, the national media people are like Lincoln Riley, Lincoln Riley. Yeah, Br- Brown should hire Lincoln Riley. They're acting like. They just kind of act like, oh, yeah, Lincoln Riley would definitely just, yeah, sure, I'll take it, without, like, thinking, yeah, no, I think Lincoln Riley's good at Oklahoma for now. You know, it's just – my point is, it's like, you kind of get an idea of how little certain people in the national media know about the situation at Oklahoma. That's what I'm trying to say.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I generally agree. Do do
1: you you catch that, too? I mean, because – Yeah. I mean – People seem to think like, oh yeah, Brown's just off him the job. Lincoln Riley be like, oh yeah, sure, I got it. Thanks, appreciate it. I don't I'm think coming. anyone like,
0: assumes that. I think everybody just just thinks that that should be their first call. And I, that's an obvious one. I mean, the guys, the guy's a hot coaching candidate. And I, I mean, there's been rumors, not really rumors, but uh, whispers for a long time that the Cowboys are really interested in Lincoln Riley too. So it's not like it's it's coming out of left field. Uh, the guy is the, Jerry Jones
1: would love to hire
0: All the the NFL right now is just, they're they're trying to get their hands on, on whatever playbook or anything that Lincoln Riley or Sean McVay has. That's, I mean, that's, what's taken over the league right now. And he's Lincoln Riley's at the forefront of it. So, um, interesting for sure. I, I mean, I think there's other guys in college that Cleveland should be looking at as well. Um, and, and. I saw Mike Leach being floated. That's, I mean, that's more of a joke, but not really. But, but kind of along those lines. I don't think that'd be a terrible idea to go along. And I, I think, I think someone like, um, especially maybe as an offensive coordinator, or I was about to say Kingsbury, but I mean, that's not going to happen. But I heard um, his
1: name get brought up too, and I just think, what? Like, and people make the joke about, oh, him and Baker Mayfield don't get along. Why are you even bringing up Cl- Cliff's Kingsbury has mostly been kind of underachieving at Texas Tech up until this season. I think he's coaching.
0: He's de- easily his best coaching job at tech. Yeah, so, but I mean, he's the
1: fact that he'd even be thought as an off like a an NFL coach is laughable to me.
0: I'm just he's a he's he's just a great offensive mind. He's he's a really good offensive coordinator. And he knows what he's doing in that respect. Yeah. So and I and I mean it's 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 showing on film so far this year. Oh tech, for sure. Yeah. Sure. We're gonna we're gonna talk about that. I think um I, I think tech's offense is really clever. I think they call a lot of really clever plays. But we'll, we'll get mm-hmm. into that. All right, so that's enough on on Lincoln Rally. I, again it sounds I just
1: wanted to touch on it because that's a big news story of the week. So let's get into the matchup now. And I have one more piece of audio that I want to play. And I I do realize that last show I I did not remember to play another Lincoln Riley soundbite. I kept teasing another Lincoln Riley soundbite that you know maybe some of you that listened to the show a lot maybe caught that that I forgot to play it. So apologize for that. Eh, didn't miss out much. But uh, I'm not going to forget today. Uh, the two sound bites we have. So the first one was Lincoln Riley. The second one is from Kenneth Murray, and it's just Kenneth Murray talking about the defense. And I have some comments after this sound bite, and I'll be curious to see uh, if Grant has any comments too. So here's Kenneth Murray.
0: Really confident. Obviously, when you have when you have a coach coaching staff that um, are putting together the game plan the way that they're putting it together, um, and allowing us to be free, be simple, um, and just go out there and use our athleticism and just play ball. Um, you know, it gives us extreme confidence. You know, these last couple of weeks, um, we've just been out there playing for each other. And I think that's where we're getting the most confidence from is that this guy's on his defense and really on the team as a whole. We're all playing for each other. It's not offense, special teams, defense. It's, it's it's the Oklahoma Sooners. And so we're all playing for each other. We're all out there giving giving everything we got for each other. And I think right now, like I said last week after the game, our brotherhood is at an all time high.
1: So, Graham, I'm curious what your thoughts are when you hear that sound by. I'm curious to see if if your thoughts are kind of similar to my first thought when I heard Kenneth Murray, I, it, it sounds like a pretty general soundbite. I get that, but there's a point to this. So I just want to hear what your thoughts are.
0: Yeah. My first thought was um, where he emphasized how they're, how they have more of a simple approach and let them be athletes. Um, I feel like he would only say that if that has been, if, if that's been a major theme in the locker room for the last you know week or two or something like that, or, you know, ever since Ruffin McNeil took over, I, I feel like, you know, especially I mean, what Kenneth Murray's probably 19 years old. Um, you know, it's pretty hard to be savvy with the media like that. And I, I kind of think that, or at least that's what I take from it, um, is that he feels really confident in that in that game plan that they're putting out there. The the simple yet fast game plan. Um, yeah, exactly. That's it. And that's uh, and that's just one soundbite.
1: But when you talk to all the Oklahoma defensive players, Curtis Bolton as well, Trey Norwood spoke a little bit this week. That's the theme. All of them bring up over and over again how simple it all is, and it really does make you think. Man, uh, Mike Stoops was, was putting something out there just way too complicated for these guys. It would seem, and it showed on the field. And now that it's been dialed back, and Ruffin McNeil is just and 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 this was what he did before at Texas Tech when he got the interim tag, and that was the big. One of the big narratives coming in to, or after he got the the job from Lincoln Riley is that he, he simplifies stuff and teams play a little better and that's so far that's what we've seen so that's what I wanted to to hi, kind of highlight there is that even now three weeks in going into the third game now for Oklahoma with Ruffin McNeil and it, it makes me more confident in this defense because they truly are they, all season long they talk about how they they feel confident but now you're actually seeing results on the field, so you can kind of believe them when they say that in the in these press conference settings. Because before it was with the tackling and the confidence and any sort of positive thing that the defense would say. You, after the first two games, you know, from there on out when things were not looking very good for this Oklahoma defense, you kind of just rolled your eyes and said, come on, guys, you're, you don't really believe that, do you? But now I think they – they do actually believe it when they're saying these things. However, I mean it's going to be a whole new ball game with Texas Tech, and they've acknowledged that, and everybody has acknowledged that, and and they know this team is really good. I mean Curtis Bolton, listen to his his uh him talk on Tuesday night. He just he kept saying over and over again how impressed he was with Texas Tech's offense and the quarterback Alan Bowman and their wide receivers, and and he you could just tell. I mean he I like Bolton too because he he clearly watches a ton of film. And he's a great soundbite, but. Uh, you could just tell by listening to him that he he knows this Texas Tech offense is going to be a bear to defend.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and it is going to be. This is almost certainly the best offense they've seen this season up to this point. And it's, it's just a really well-coordinated offense. Um, I can absolutely assure you uh, that they are going to attack the weaknesses that Oklahoma has shown on tape in this game. They will. There's going to be a lot, a lot of uh, of instances where Texas Tech is is going to try to get the ball into the hands of their big receivers and force OU to tackle that is going to be a major theme of this game. All right,
1: well let me stop you right there because I we'll get gets into our first question. You know, you mentioned that this is going to be the, the the toughest test for Oklahoma's defense, and I agree. So Grant, why? I mean, you kind of mentioned a couple things right there, but. But why do you think this is going to be the most difficult test of the season so far for the Sooners
0: defense? Well, four reasons. So I'll I'll break it down into four reasons. Um, One, Alan Bowman Lee has a really very good grasp of Texas Tech's offense. And he seemingly runs it exactly how Cliff wants it to be run. Um, I don't think he's going to blow you away with his measurables. He's a pretty big guy, but he's he's rail skinny. Um, there are some times, Lee, where I, I think his ball definitely floats. I, I don't think he does not have a, a cannon of an arm at all. Um, but for the most part, I mean, for a true freshman, he he runs this offense very very smoothly. Seems to know exactly um, w- what they want out of him. Uh, secondly, their two outside receivers pose just a very very physical threat to OU's defensive backs. Uh, Antoine Wesley is 6'5", 200 pounds, and TJ Vasher is 6'6", 190. We all know uh, the the issues that OU has had with large receivers in in the past, last year, this year as well. Um, It's going to be a test. Now, they don't necessarily, you know, chuck it downfield to those guys as much as some other teams would, but they absolutely try to get the ball in their hands, and and they force defensive backs to tackle them, which has been a major concern for Oklahoma. Not just their defensive backs, but just on their entire defense. Um Another receiver, lead, J.D. on high. He's kind of their uh, – he's Bowman's security blanket. Uh, he's going to look for him on third down quite a bit. He might be their most consistent receiver. He's a really solid player. Um, another reason, too, Lee, I, I just brought it up, but Cliff Kingsbury, this guy's – this guy's an offensive genius. I mean, he's, he's not quite Lincoln Riley, but this guy knows exactly what he's doing uh, on the offensive side. And Texas Tech, Lee, ever since he's been there, offense has not been the problem. I think they've been, they've, they've been consistently a top ten offense in the country ever since Kingsbury's been there. Um, and Lee, just the last part, Lubbock at night is tough. It's going to be a tough atmosphere. So, yeah, Alan Bowman, I, I share a lot of the same thoughts
1: on Bowman that you that you see uh I think he's the best quarterback Oklahoma will have seen up to this point this year and uh I actually and, and disagree really yeah who's better I mean people
0: are gonna uh, Ellinger's better
1: no no uh, no he's not I mean Ellinger if if Oklahoma's defense was properly prepared for Texas Ellinger wouldn't have done any of that crap I mean uh Bowman as far as being able to exploit I guess the secondary I mean well, Ellinger yeah he had a lot of passing yards but a lot of that came from the fact they were afraid of his running ability and Oklahoma just couldn't tackle
0: well yeah so the, I, I mean running ability counts and nobody can really tackle Sam Ellinger I, I mean I don't I think Sam Ellinger a, is a very limited player especially when he drops back to throw um but I mean he's 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 a good college player and he really is he's really kind of the reason why Texas is where they are this year so and this is I mean I, I this is this is Apple I mean this is this is split in hairs. I don't I think I think Ellinger is moderately better than Bowman. Bowman's certainly a better passer, I think.
1: Yeah, I guess I'm I'm kinda making this uh I'm making this argument based based on an asterisk. Like I I think that if this current defensive setup was in place for the Texas game, I think Oklahoma was defense would have probably handled ellinger and texas offense pretty pretty well because that offense is very limited and if mike stoops was still coordinating this defense and going into this texas tech game i would be pretty confident that alan bowman and tech would would easily put up 50 or more and th- because of the way he runs this offense he and he's got cliff Kings, kingsbury to think for that uh, to thank for that um uh, Again, because his arm is not particularly great. Uh, I thought his arm actually kind of looked above average against Oklahoma State, but a week later against, Virginia, uh, West, against West Virginia, I thought his arm looked significantly weaker. And I, I saw that on tape, too. He tends to float some passes. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, when he's been healthy, he's had a nice, nice season, really nice season. And it's because he's, he's good at anticipating throws. He's a timing and rhythm thrower, which is what this offense seems to scheme up for him. And I think, you know, watching on tape, he likes to get rid of the football pretty quickly. Uh, but I do think Oklahoma will have some opportunities to rush the passer in this game, especially if the Sooners can get Bowman and Tech behind schedule. It seems like if the first read isn't there for Bowman, he tends to kind of hang on to the football a little bit. And he's not a statue out there. He's a little bit of athleticism, but he's not really known for his mobility not very many rush yards at all i think he might be negative in rush yards so he's not a guy that looks to run he can like i said but but he's not really much of a mobile guy so i think oklahoma will have some chances to get after him a little bit depending on how the game goes Uh, and then yeah wesley and then vash are the two receivers they look pretty good on tape but yeah they're not burners by any stretch of the imagination Um, but yeah this is a team in an offensive scheme that will test oklahoma on all three levels of the defense and, uh, you know, I got to hear in the rundown that, you know, the tackling has looked better the past two weeks. This game, we'll truly see if the tackling has gotten better because Texas Tech will have the ability and we'll be able to get players in space, I think. And we'll be able to see if Oklahoma's improved at rallying to the football and getting people to the ground. And, and this is a perfect test for that. Is that. like How do you feel about that as far as tackling goes?
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's what, that's what Texas Tech's offense is built on, Lee. Um, they're not going to take a ton of shots downfield I mean, this this offense really is kind of like a, a, a I saw
1: that too which is it's, yeah it's kind of interesting it makes me wonder if they're going to maybe decide to do a little more of that against Oklahoma because of yeah how Oklahoma has not been able to defend those those nine routes very well this year sometimes
0: yeah maybe I mean but th- really this is I mean this is an efficiency based offense they they want to get you five six yards here and there I mean they're they're really not going to take the top off on you. And those those, uh, those receivers I talked about, they're not speed demons by any stretch of the imagination. They're kind of big possession plotting guys who can go up and get the ball. So, I mean, that that, that could be a theme um, over the course, especially with Oklahoma's you know small corners as well. Uh, Lee, one more thing on Bowman uh, that I want to mention. Lee, this is a guy who has thrown six picks in his last four starts. He, he has, and, and he's, he's thrown a pick, in in his last four starts as well. So he's a guy he's going to turn the ball over. Um so that's I mean that's certainly a, a a notch against Alan Bowman. But he is a true freshman.
1: You know, so there was a few games that I was I was really wanting to watch leading up to this matchup. It was Oklahoma State, Iowa State <clears throat> and West Virginia when Bowman was in the game, which was for nearly two quarters. And I saw most of the Oklahoma State game, almost all of it. And I think he had only one interception in that game, and it was an incredibly lucky interception in the end zone where the AJ Green made it
0: two two in that game. Yeah, he threw two. I'm, I watched that. I'm I'm struggling to remember the second one, but oh yeah, he threw two. Yeah, per the box so score, I'm seeing two. Oh yeah. The,
1: oh, the first one was was a terrible pick. It was when he threw it deep across the middle of the field, and the, oh, sin, the free safety. Yeah, he it off. It was Yeah, right he didn't after. see the safety. Yeah, that was a really bad pick. That was the worst pick I've seen him throw. But against uh, you know against Iowa State, he had three. Uh, against West Virginia he had one in the the almost two quarters he played and the one against West Virginia was tipped receiver didn't catch the ball wasn't his fault and the one against Iowa State I think was the same thing the ball was the one that I saw I I didn't see the other two because I didn't get a chance to watch the the full game closely back but uh, I guess my point is is some of those picks were not on him so it's not like he's super careless with the football he did Uh, he
0: he threw three mm. picks against Iowa State I mean when you throw three picks that's that's bad, no matter how, how you cut it.
1: Yeah, he's he's not. He didn't come off to me though as a turnover machine. I guess I'm kind of surprised by his numbers a bit. I, you know, when you look at the, the guy from TCU, you know, he looked like a turnover machine. It, he was careless with the football.
0: Lee, I, I think Bowman, Alan, not quite as much. I think Alan Bowman looks like your typical Mike Leach air raid quarterback that you saw in the 2000s at Texas Tech. I think that that is basically him. I think if you take away okay. his first read, especially now as a true freshman, that's not to say he can't get better over the course of his career. But if you take away his first read, he's going to struggle. And if you watch this Texas Tech offensively, there is a lot of plays that are called that allow Allen Bowman to just play and not think. There are a lot of a lot oh, of yeah absolutely that's a, a good lot point. That's of a good point a lot of bang bang snap it and ball is out. Um, and so I, I think that's going to be really interesting to see how Oklahoma attacks that. Um, because if you can take away his first read, I think he'll panic and he'll start to turn it over. I, you
1: know, this is, I don't think we've really ever seen this from Oklahoma's defense. And I don't know if we'd see it from a Ruffin McNeil defense at all, but I mean, watching on tape back, I mean, there, there seems to be situations where Oklahoma could potentially bait Bowman into throwing a pick and he really likes to, and this is smart. He's a quarterback that I noticed, and I was counting in the Oklahoma state game, uh, you know nearly 10 times you know when he sees a defensive back given you know that 8 to 10 yards of cushion he'll maybe look over and maybe check to a throw or he'll just recognize that and that's the guy I want to go through a little five yard out boom boom take the yards and if the defense is giving it to him might as well take it and there was one play against Oklahoma State where they had twins to the right and the slot corner was playing about 8 to 10 yards off and the the wide cornerback was was playing press coverage, and it was it was man coverage, and the wide the wide wide receiver just took the corner straight up the field on a on a on a on a nine on a fade route, while the inside guy just ran a nice little five yard out. Whereas I think Bowman kind of checked to that, and he made the catch and got a first down. Whereas like I could totally see. I mean, you have to get lucky maybe, but you could almost call a play where you're on purpose playing press up on that outside receiver and you're you're playing off on the other other guy and you bait Bowman into wanting to throw a little out route there in the corner. If It's Parnell Motley or Norwood or Trey Brown comes off his man and just steps right in front and picks it and takes it to the house for a touchdown. I mean, that could I saw that on tape. And it didn't it's not like it happened over and over and over again, so like, this wasn't a thing. So it would be a risky move maybe, but man, that would be a cool thing if Oklahoma could could bait Bowman into making a bad throw and getting and getting a pick.
0: Yeah, that's not crazy, Lee. I mean that's that's something that good defensive coordinators recognize for sure. Um Lee, I did I I just noticed I, I'm looking at at Bowman's game log right now, and I just um I had mentioned a couple minutes ago that um, it surprised us that Texas Tech is not particularly explosive. They really don't try to push the ball down the field in the passing game that much. Lee, I want to mm-hmm. go through Bowman's last four starts. I'm just going to tell you his longest completion um in those four starts thirty two yards, forty yards thirty seven and thirty one yards I, I I think you know if if that's if Texas Tech's longest completion of this game is kind of in that range, are you, we're gonna feel pretty good about this game, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, because he, uh, you know, he had a 58 yard long against a terrible, terrible Houston defense, and a game they won. And he had a 66 yarder against Lamar. All both games back in September. But even against Oklahoma State, he didn't push the ball down the field a whole lot, and he played very well against Oklahoma State, and they dominated that second half of that game. But yeah, that's a good point. I mean, the one, the 40 yarder in West Virginia game is just he threw it up to Wesley. Wesley made a play. I think the 31-yarder against Iowa State was also to Wesley, just throwing it up in the or in the first half for a touchdown. And, and so, I mean, they do like to throw it up to Wesley. And at the jump ball, the back shoulder throws will be there for sure. I mean, these are things that Oklahoma knows will be coming. They're not easy to defend. But uh, I'm curious to see if the secondary plays better now uh, against the first true test, again, through the secondary since Ruffin McNeil has taken over and, and Curtis Bolton, talked about how Trey Norwood had a really awesome interception in practice on Tuesday and it got him fired up and he knows the secondary has not put a great stuff on tape this year and he knows they're better than that and he's seen it in practice because the confidence seems to be better and so again this will be the first real test through the air for the secondary since Ruffin McNeil has been the defensive coordinator a non-confused and a simpler defense for Oklahoma secondary I'm curious to see if maybe maybe they can finally start forcing some turnovers
0: a short memory for the DBs in this game, Lee, I think is going to be absolutely uh, huge. Texas Tech is going to make some plays in this game. I mean, they're just going to. This is a good offense, and they practice too. So they're going to make some plays. Um, it is absolutely imperative that the, o- that the Oklahoma defensive backs have a short memory in this game because if you get beat once, they're going to come right back at you, and you need to make a play the second time. So hopefully that's being just uh, that's being hammered in their heads hopefully this week. They're going to have to have a short memory.
1: Real quick – you know what about Texas Tech's ability to run the football? Because I think I said on my la- on the last podcast that Tech can, from what I've seen, Tech can run the ball pretty well. You know, really the closest I watched them though was at Oklahoma State game, and I think that was the best game of the season running the football for Texas Tech was in Stillwater against the Pokes. But overall, actually, Tech has not been able to run the ball that well, right?
0: Uh, they're what have you seen? They're okay. I mean, they're not terrible running the ball, but it's also not the focal point of their offense. So, yeah, I mean, I mean they, they, they throw the ball it's like to... It's a complimentary piece, yeah, almost. Yeah, they, they throw the ball, Lee, on the margins a lot in an attempt to open up lanes in the run game. That, that's really what it's about. They're going to try to throw to loosen you up in the run game. And, you know, they're, they're rarely going to run, Lee, unless they feel they have a numbers advantage. I, I noticed that, especially against, against Oklahoma State. And against Oklahoma State, it's not... I mean, a, a lot of those running advantages, especially against a team like Oklahoma State, are going to turn into bigger chunk runs because of just how aggressive they are. Um, so I mean, you know, they're not, they're not insanely explosively in the run game per S they're 95th in explosiveness in the run game. Um, Texas techs run game, Lee, I think is a, is a classic tech run game. They're probably going to do it a little more than Mike Leach used to. Uh, but it's, it's simply there to keep you honest.
1: Okay. Um, let's see. How about this? We were talking about the secondary a moment ago, Buki, uh, his status is up in the air. Lincoln Riley, was asked about Buki on Monday, and let's see. He said there was nothing new to report on Buki. Granted, again, this was Monday. Uh, He did mention that it's not going to be a long-term thing with Buki, and Lincoln Riley said that we'll see how he responds this week. Uh, I mean, obviously, Oklahoma would like to have Buki in the lineup, but Grant, if if he can't go, I mean, what does that mean? Does that mean we're going to see a lot more Justin Broyles? I mean, do we... Do we see a little bit more you – know, we didn't talk about this last podcast. Do we see a little, little bit more Dallaire and
0: Turner yell? Because I don't even think he saw the field against Kansas State. Yeah, he did. I mean, Yeah, he did. Did he? Yeah, he was out there. I saw him a okay, few times. I um, okay. Yeah, I, I mean, well, first of all, yeah, I, Broyles was the guy who came in for, for Buki at nickel in the last game, so I would assume, yeah, it would mean that we're going to see Justin Broyles a lot. Um, and, I, and I think we're going to see DTY a lot more just in general because they're playing Texas Tech. I think they'll probably have that dime package out there quite a bit more than they than they would, you know, against Kansas State. So I I don't really know what to think about Buki Lee. I I mean he was he was laughing and guffawing on the sidelines on on Saturday after he got taken out. Um, I I don't know. I, I'm assuming it's it's like it's a concussion of some sort. I would guess is what it is. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. I just I'm. I suspect there's some sort of gamemanship going on here. I mean, they they kind of played this exact same thing with with Powers and Man before the Texas game as well. Um, where they just were very coy on everything and didn't say much. I this is this is probably pretty similar. I I'm honestly not too worried. Um, we'll, we'll we'll wait to see what happens, you know, on on Saturday. I uh, we'll see if he travels with the team first of all we'll know pretty much right away in the morning whether that's the case um, because if he's not going to play because he's hurt I would assume he won't travel yeah another thing too I mean last week early on in the week it,
1: there wasn't a whole lot of updates on Trey Sermon and there was actually more of an update on Marquise Brown and Sermon looked to be just fine and it was Marquise Brown who still looked, seemed to be a little bit hobbled uh, against uh, against Kansas State, so yeah, I, I I tend to think that Buki will be fine and, and he'll be good to play. So it it would, it would be nice to have him out there, considering that you know both you and I tend to think that his strong his strongest asset is his ability to cover guys and. Now that he's being asked to do that, do that a little bit more as a nickelback player, I think this is a great opportunity for him to potentially make some plays.
0: Yeah, I think, I think Buki's really important in this game because, like I said, uh, with J.D. on high, they're, they're kind of their third down security blanket. That's who Buki's going to be on a, a lot in this game if he does play. Um, and I think you know if you, can, if you can take away J.D. on high, typically if you take away a freshman quarterback security blanket, that's going to be insanely uh, impactful. So uh, if Buki can't go in this game, I think that is that, that's that's a pretty big hit because, um, you know, Broyles, I, I think, is, is a guy that I like, but he's he's certainly been pretty inconsistent this year.
1: Did you see anything on tape from Texas Tech's offense that lead you to believe that Oklahoma's defense may have an advantage anywhere on the field?
0: Uh, we've we've kind of talked a lot about it. My my notes here are just that they're not particularly explosive, um, which means they're forced to be really efficient down the field. And, and a lot of the times, you know, if you can if you can put some athletes on the field and, and maybe get a little bit aggressive, you can force them into mistakes the longer they're on the field. Other than that, I, I already mentioned that, that Bowman kind of has a, has a bit of a noodle arm sometimes when he's trying to throw it across the hashes. Um, and, you know, I mean, they, they turn it over, like we mentioned. They're minus one in turnover margin this year.
1: Yeah, for me, uh, and I know that Texas Tech doesn't – doesn't run the ball all that well, but I think this, you know, the, the secondary is going to get a lot of the highlights because it's you know, it's a passing attack, and when you pass a lot, you got to defend the pass well, and the secondary comes up a bunch. But this could be a defensive line game for Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma's defensive line is better than Texas Tech's offensive line, and if Oklahoma's defensive, especially now, I mean, I wouldn't say that if uh, if they were still doing their old three-four-two gap play, but now that they have the four-down linemen, I think they have the they have the ability to control Texas Tech's offensive line and, and control the run game whenever Texas Tech wants to co- you know run the ball to complement the, the passing game. If they can get Texas Tech behind the chains and off schedule a bit and making it so obvious they're going to throw, which I think is possible, then that can in turn allow some guys to rush the passer a little bit more, which would, would make Alan Bowman have to hold on to the football more. So I think it all starts with the defensive line, and I think Oklahoma might have a slight advantage there in the trenches in this game. What do you think about that?
0: I think they have an advantage in that regard when Tech is trying to run the ball. I'm not so sure um, if that's the case when Tech is trying to trying to throw the ball. I okay. I, I envision OU having trouble getting getting to Allen Bowman in this game without bringing pressure. So a couple of things that we
1: haven't directly touched on, and and you've mentioned that you like this offense a lot from Texas Tech, and you think it's very clever. I think is the word you use and and I agree. I I wrote down in my notes watching tape deception. Uh, This is a team that's similar to Oklahoma in a lot of ways. I mean, watch their plays. Sometimes they'll have run action on one side of the play, have a screen pass on the other side of the play. Like Some principles pretty similar to Lincoln Riley. Uh, Eye discipline in this game is going to be imperative for the linebackers and also obviously the secondary. They're going to – it almost seems like (laughs) whichever way you see the play going, almost don't believe it and think it's going to go a different way. Because there's a lot of instances where they they, they want to show something going one way, and then have the ball go the other way, and whether it's an RPO or it's a end around or you know they really like, they really like to use those misdirection pop passes with wide receivers motioning across the formation pre snap, I mean and it, they'll mix in some handoffs due to the running back. So again, eye discipline will be incredibly important and reading your keys in this one. Even though I. Maybe even the keys might not be helpful because they do like to show a lot of pass blocking looks when they're going to run it and vice versa. More so the, the run block looks when they're going to throw the ball because of the RPOs. So that's, that's what makes this Texas Tech offense, a, a, another part of it, so difficult to defend, I
0: think. Yeah, I think did you, did, yeah, did you Lee, see that a lot on tape when you're yeah, watching as well. That, that's actually a lot where my comments come from, especially what they do with uh with misdirection and those those motion pop passes. Lee, there were some I mean, there's some plays going back and watching their tape where I, I have to watch the play four or five times to see like to see where they're where they're going with the ball. I mean, I can see who has the ball, but it's so quick you can you can't even really see Bowman doing the little pop pass because they hide it so well. Yeah. Um There's one
1: play like that against Oklahoma State near the goal line that they scored a touchdown on that I, every time I watch it
0: back, I always get faked out on it, which is incredible. Yeah, that's the one that's that's present in my mind too. It's just they're they're really gonna um, they're gonna melt your keys in this game. I mean that's that's what they try to do, and so um, I mean this this isn't this is an offense that I true a, a true freshman Kenneth Murray. I would be just terrified to face this offense because um and still, I mean, they're they're really gonna put him on an island in this game. I think they're really gonna try to confuse him a lot in this game. I think Lee, I think we're gonna see a lot of that misdirection stuff out of the backfield. Yeah, I mean, that's that's their mo. I mean, there was one other play I saw
1: against um, I believe West Virginia is either West Virginia or actually Oklahoma State. And they were in 20 personnel. They actually like to use two running backs a decent amount of time, which is kind of surprising for a Texas Tech team. You think they split it out, go empty a lot, four-ride receivers. No, I mean, they'll utilize two running backs, and they'll go three-by-one, and they'll overload the formation on one side, and they'll have Bowman kind of like play action and look like he's going to throw a fade to the right with all the people over there. But then all he's doing is setting up a backside little post and go to, like, Antoine Wesley away from the play, and it's almost indefensible because you get Wesley running a post, and then the leverage there for the cornerback is on the inside, and then all of a sudden he runs a go or he runs it back the other way, and it's just like you have no chance if the throw's good. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of creativity in this offense, and, and I guess... As we continue to praise the offense, I think that will transition nicely into the next question I have for you as we get to the end of talking about the Texas Tech defense, which we've gone pretty long on this. Grant, give me a number where if Texas Tech scores under that number in points for the game, it's a success for OU, and then if Tech scores over that number, it's considered a disappointment.
0: 31 points, Lee, is the number that I will set.
1: I was going to say 30, but 31 makes makes sense fine
0: well 31 just makes more football sense I mean 30 like who, whoever scores 30 like exactly know. 30 in a game
1: <laughs> uh, maybe they're gonna miss an extra point yeah I think that's a good number because I was looking at their their game log and Texas Tech has scored uh, 30 or more points pretty much in every single game except for the TCU game and they won it but Bowman didn't play so throw that game out but grant, the Iowa State game is a bit deceptive, though, right? Because Texas Tech scored thirty-one. But te- uh but Iowa State's defense did pretty well because what, didn't Texas Tech only sc- didn't they score uh only two offensive touchdowns in that game, I think?
0: Uh yes, I believe so. Going back. So they definitely so their first touchdown of the game came on a blocked punt returned for a touchdown or a blocked punt in the end zone that they recovered for a touchdown. Um and I think And then
1: they uh they sacked Purdy in the end zone stripped them and then recovered for a touchdown in the end zone yes so.
0: I believe that's what it was so yeah they only scored two touchdowns only 17 offensive points against uh, Iowa State and they you know they turned it over a lot though too so they, they still put up some numbers but I, I mean Iowa State did what they do they you know they they for- I think Iowa
1: State I think it, it needs to be said great I, I think Iowa State might have the best defense now in the Big 12 I, I think it is. I, I I don't know if I don't like Texas's defense that much anymore. I know I'm kind of going off of the one game against Oklahoma State where it didn't look good. You know, maybe it'll come back and just dominate West Virginia, and I'll it's, look stupid. But it's it, certainly. I don't. I, it's,
0: it's not anywhere near as good as it was last year. It's certainly the most consistent. I, I think Iowa State's defense. Um, yeah, I mean, they just they, they force you to beat them, and you know, I think a lot of the times in college football, that's I, that's not. Uh, that's not a guaranteed proposition at all because a lot of the times, Lee, I mean, there's just – some of these teams just aren't aren't that good a lot of the time. And, you know, what? if Iowa State – if it, and Iowa State forces you to be perfect, and a lot of the times they can't be.
1: So, yeah, Iowa State's defense only allowed two offensive touchdowns against Texas Tech, and that was in aim. So, you know what, if Oklahoma can hold Texas Tech in Lubbock to, let's say, double that, if they can hold Texas Tech to just four touchdowns, Offensively, I think that's that's a pretty successful night. That would be a really successful night I think for this Oklahoma defense. I'll take that. Because of how all good day long. How, Yeah, because of how good this Texas Tech offense has been this year. Oh,
0: yeah, Lee, I'm looking at Lee. Uh Texas Tech had 363 yards on 81 plays against Iowa State. Iowa State defended them very well.
1: That's the weird thing about Tech too is that they actually control the clock quite a bit. I think they're one of the best teams in the country in time of possession. Whereas in a weird way, though, too, not a weird way, but just since Ruffin McNeil's taken over, Oklahoma defense has only been seeing plays, plays per game in the 50s, whereas before when they were facing the Baylors and the Texases and the Armies, I mean, they were seeing 70 to 80. They were saying at least 80 plays a game. So, I mean, Texas Tech wants to run a lot of plays. So we'll see if, if Oklahoma can... Can limit them and actually get them a little out of their comfort zone, which would be a which would be incredible.
0: Yeah, uh, Texas Tech's not an insanely you know tempo team. They're they're thirty seventh in the country in pace um, comparatively. OU is ninety fifth, which I, I mean if you've been following them, I don't think that's uh, that's a surprise at all. OU is not a tempo offense at all anymore. They're they're I think they're very. They um, they take their they do it when they need to. Yeah, they do. They it's it's always there, but they are not a, a default hurry up offense whatsoever anymore. So, um, it'll be it'll be interesting for sure. I mean, yeah, this is this is a game where Lee. If I mean, if if OU is only on the field, you know, again for fifty five, sixty, sixty five plays, I think that's that's probably going to be a positive for Oklahoma if that's the case. Yeah, because I don't think Texas Tech has had
1: many games like that, if if any, this year where they were on the field for that few plays. All right, let's transition over to the Oklahoma offense and the Texas Tech defense, that matchup. And, Grant, I've heard all week that Texas Tech's defense is better. And you all out there, the listeners, may remember a narrative coming into the college football season was that Tech's defense was going to be pretty good this year. In fact, three players on Tech's defense made the preseason all-Big 12 team, which, uh, if I remember correctly, Grant, you and I just scoffed at that. Uh, so heading into week 10 of college football, Grant, here's a question for you. Is Texas Tech's defense better?
0: Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's better. But I think, you know, context is important here. It's, it's gone from terrible to merely not good. So um,
1: I, on a yards per play basis, they're exactly
0: where they were at the end of last year. And so, yeah, so here's where here's where they've improved, Lee, and this is, so they are, they're 79th, Lee, in defensive SP. and um, Comparatively, Kansas State, Lee, was 80th going into the game last week. Um, oh, goody. Yep, so here we go. Uh, Texas Tech and Kansas State are kind of polar opposites in how they defend you. Lee, if, if you recall, Kansas State was a team on defense that was not very efficient. They allowed a lot of successful plays. I think they were like 120th in the country in that. Well, comparatively, Texas Tech is 49th in the country in that. They only allow a successful play 39.5% of the time. Lee, but Texas Tech, very much like Oklahoma's defense of last year, gives up an insane just bevy of explosive plays, which is just the last thing that you want going against this Oklahoma team. Which is exactly what we saw. Well, I shouldn't
1: say we saw, but that's exactly what Ole Miss... West Virginia for a, a large portion of the game, in Houston, mainly Ole Miss and Houston. I mean, we're you able to just get massive, big plays against that Texas Tech defense, and they had tons of success. Uh, I guess to answer the question I posed to you, is the Tech defense better? And the answer is yes, but really not by a whole lot. And it to me, it looks kind of the same. And it's a defense that really likes to just be aggressive, as, and and good offenses take advantage of it. As as you mentioned your point you just made a moment ago is that it's a bad combination for a defense that's playing against Oklahoma, and uh, you know the, the the one team I think this year with an above average offense that pretty much struggled for the most part against Texas Tech was Oklahoma State, and so the question is, you know what can we learn from these games if anything you know how, and I, I don't, I think there's not a whole lot you can take from it for me watching the Oklahoma State game. It was, it was a lot of Taylor, – Taylor Cornelius is a, is a limited thrower, and Oklahoma State's offense is incredibly simple. It's out route to Ty, Tylen Wallace, come back to Tylen Wallace. At that point, it was uh, every once in a while another out to Jalen McCleskey, handed off to Justice Hill. Not enough, by the way, I'll add. And not a whole lot of things that makes you think to where Texas Tech was able to kind of pin their ears back a little bit and send a little bit of pressure. And also the offensive line for Oklahoma State, not very good. And so Tech's defensive linemen were able to get after Cornelius with only four down linemen sometimes. And I saw some creative blitzes too. Texas Tech will blitz very creatively where they'll they'll send pressure from places you're not expecting it, which is, is interesting. But I guess to answer my, my my own question is I'm not sure there's a whole lot we can learn from these games. If Oklahoma just goes out there and runs their offense the way they have been, Oklahoma should run the – should, should run the ball well should be able to throw the ball pretty well Texas Tech shouldn't be able to slow this offense down any more than Kansas State did I mean I guess they they have the advantage of being at home which certainly helps but man I same thing it's that we've kind of had on a lot of these podcasts previewing games is if Oklahoma just does what they've been doing it it shouldn't be a problem What is that was that what you're seeing
0: yeah I mean for the most part this is not this defense is not it's not a good defense. Uh, and I, I, I think a lot of people are gonna are gonna fool themselves into thinking maybe it is by listening to people say that it's better. It is better, but I mean we we the context is really important here. So uh, I mean going through a lot of their peripheral numbers, there's just not not a whole lot of stuff that they do incredibly well. Um, I, I, I suppose pass defense, SP Lee, they're forty third in the country um in that but you know when you when you factor in explosiveness in the passing game they they jump to 87th in the country there um, they're a complete non-factor to sack the quarterback just not not at all a factor they're 112th in the country in and sacking the quarterback um, and Lee but Lee I mean when you uh, when you go to passing downs though so basically you know second and long third and long they jump to 82nd in the country against the pass and 122nd in explosiveness so i mean this is a team that I'm assuming by looking at these numbers they probably are are able to uh, to bait you into some bad throws or make some plays because they're probably pretty aggressive in the secondary. But man, I I look at these numbers and I just I can't help but think any sort of competent passing game is going to pick these guys apart. All
1: right. So, let's see uh, one other this is a couple couple other points you've already mentioned that they are pretty aggressive uh you will see the cornerbacks up closer to the line of scrimmage i think than you you'd expect uh and again they've got the ability to throw some creative some some creative blitzes um the question i have for you though grant is you know when you watch tech on tape and you know that tech's a big offensive team and they score some points and they, they move the ball is texas tech's strategy on defense basically what you've been clamoring for from oklahoma what, through the last two and a half years of Mike Stoops because hey, you know, just go go all out, be aggressive and just if you give up a big play, who cares because the OU offense is so good? I mean, is that what you kind of see from tech?
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, like but the difference would be,
1: though, is that Oklahoma seemingly would have better players than Tech, so maybe it would work out more for Oklahoma if they would have, if they would have tried it. Yeah, that's
0: that's the rub yeah. there. And you know, I mean, I, I I still think Texas Tech is they they have a talent problem on defense. Uh, their middle linebacker is a good player, Dakota Allen. He's I think he's the guy who stands out the most on tape when you watch him. He's a good player. Um, everywhere else uh, on that defense, um, I, I just is the, the best offense in college football, and uh, they're, they're just not going to have a whole lot of trouble with Texas Tech's defense.
1: Lincoln Riley talking about the offensive line on Monday. He said the offensive line is starting to play closer to what we thought they were capable of before the season began. And he did, he did mention Creed Humphrey. Uh, he, that Creed has solidified the center position, and also Cody Ford at tackle. He mentioned that that's been a success. So Lincoln Riley, uh, we talked about him telling the truth at the start of the show. Those are truthful statements. And it's just good to hear him him saying that. I mean, uh, one of our listeners who brought up Creed Humphrey in the offensive line a, a week or two ago. I mean, he was right on it. I mean, Creed Humphrey has has solidified the center position, and in turn has made that offense has helped that offensive line get to a a spot where it was not at early in the year. Um, let's see. Anything else on, the, on this matchup? Again, we're going to go real short on this because it's just Oklahoma's offense is so good, and, and this isn't the LSU or Alabama defense. I mean, this is a, a defense Oklahoma should be able to exploit. Anything else in this matchup before we get to what we want to see happen?
0: Uh, nothing other than that. I mean, this is, a, this is a really fun game. I, I think I, going to Texas Tech and playing at night is, can be scary, but it's cool, man. It, I mean, this is a game I am jacked for this game. Um, Texas Tech's a good team this is this is a good team um, and I, I'm just really really interested to see how OU is going to react to this test on the road um, I don't know well I'll, I'll, I'll let you know here in the next couple minutes what I think is going to happen but um, it's it's going to be interesting for sure what a, just it, it's, a, it's a fun scene I, I just I really like this stuff um, and just i going back to that 2016 game too um, just what a what a crazy game that was and I, I think it's, it's so hard not to think of that game, you know, coming up on Saturday. So I, I completely understand why the national media has kind of been enamored by that uh, just because it was such a crazy game. And I, I don't think we're going to see you know, anything remotely like that uh, this year. But I don't know. I mean, anytime these two teams play, I feel like something like that is probably possible. All right, Grant,
1: what do you want to see happen in this game?
0: Well, Lee. First of all, I, I I really do think that if OU's defense is going to have success in this game, they're they're going to turn Texas o- or turn Texas Tech over. I, I really do think that's going to be uh, what butters their bread, so to say, in this game. Um, which I think that's how you you probably need to play against like air raid teams like this. Take your lumps; they're going to make some plays, but when you get an opportunity, you got to make plays, and that's been a you know that's been a problem for OU's defense this year for sure. You know, even when they've actually had an opportunity to get their hands on an interception or um, finish off a sack, they've struggled to do that. Um, look for that to start to change in this game. I, I just I, I have a weird feeling. I, I think they're going to turn Allen Bowman over a few times in this game. Um, secondly. Um, I, I'd really like to see the defensive line and the linebackers be able to handle the run without dedicating extra guys uh, from coverage in this game. And I think that's something that they have the capability of doing, especially with the emergence of, of Gallimore playing so well in the middle and also blood. So we'll, we'll see if they're able to just kind of shut down the run game. Lee, um, Iowa State held Texas Tech to 30 yards on 24 carries last week. Um, it'd be you know pretty cool to see something similar uh, to that. And then Lee, just on, on the offensive side, this is the offensive lines game. I want domination up and down the field. All right, for me, and all this is, uh, I feel like we're just kind
1: of adding to each other's list. So for me, I, I'd like to see Oklahoma intercept at least two passes in this game. Interceptions have been few and far between this year. I want to see the defensive line get after Bowman and have some defensive linemen get some sacks in this game. I want to see this Texas Tech offense look perplexed. I want to see shots of the of Bowman and maybe Kingsbury and these guys like they can't believe that they're not having as much success as they thought they were going to, going to have against an Oklahoma defense that in recent years has been pretty darn bad, especially against Texas tech on offense. Same thing we've seen all season long score, score some more. If the defense gets you a stop, which hopefully they do multiple times, just go score again, separate kill tech spirit. And, the Next thing up is uh, we we predict, well, we say what, what what will happen, and we give a prediction. Grant, would you like me to go first, or would you like to take the reins? You can go first. All right, so one thing, you I know, mean, we've talked about this all show, the, the one thing we haven't brought up that I think is kind of intriguing, obviously the 2016 game was, was ridiculous. Oklahoma allowed 59 points, allowed damn near what, like, almost a 1,000 yards of offense or something like that. Mahomes had over 700 yards passing.
0: 854. Both teams had 854 yards. (laughs)
1: Okay, yeah. You know, which is just an embarrassment uh, to just football in general. You know, then last year in Norman with Nick Shimanek, you know, a bit of a a downgrade from uh, from Patrick Mahomes. Oklahoma, you know, remember, Grant, when Oklahoma came out in that weird defense? And I think they only had like what? They were basically playing a 3-4, but they only had two down linemen. And Texas Tech was like, OK, thanks. We'll just run the ball on you. Yeah. And Tech scored three touchdowns in the first half.
0: Freaking galaxy brain stuff from Mike Stoops. That was such a terrible plan.
1: Yeah. So that was idiotic. But for whatever reason, finally, they they actually changed. And for the next three quarters, after the first quarter, Oklahoma only allowed one touchdown. And so something clicked and something worked. And that was even with Mike Stoops' coordinated defense. And he made a change. And good for him. So, I guess the point, the reason I bring that up is that Oklahoma was able to hold Tech to only 27 last year. So, now I think without Mike Soups in the defense, defense is playing better. Ruffin McNeil has, has him not thinking as much. I think the defense should be able to play this team better than last year. Granted, Bowman's playing well, but Bowman's a true freshman. So, here's my thought process behind that I think Oklahoma can hold Texas Tech under 31. That was kind of the magic number we had. I say Oklahoma allows. 24 points in this game. I'm going to say 24 points. So that would be one fewer touchdown allowed than last season's game. But I'm going to give Texas Tech. I think if this game was a Norman, I'd say Oklahoma only allows 17 points. But I'm going to give them one additional touchdown for being in Lubbock, being at home. I'm going to say Oklahoma wins this game, covers that 13 and a half point spread. I'm going to go 55 to 24. Oklahoma wins and sends a big time message yet again. And especially defensively against the best offense they've seen this year i think oklahoma has the capabilities to, to to actually slow this team down and prevent points oklahoma does that i say 55
0: 24 and we're going to be really excited come sunday morning leaf kind of for the first time we're sort of on the same wavelength i i kind of got a feeling they're going to come out and just sort of put their th- their their foot on texas tech's throat i i really do um i, I think they're going to win 59 to 31 is my, is my guess. I, I don't, don't, Kyler Murray and the OU offense is going to go up and down the field. Um, I think, I think, I think tech's going to make some plays. They're going to move, they're going to move the ball a little bit. Um, but like I said, OU's defense is going to turn them over. They're going to, they're going to seize momentum. And anytime that happens, I, I don't think OU's offense is going to let tech forget about it. They're just going to score easily. Um, that's, that's how, that's what I see happening. I I think, I think they're going to blow them out. Lee.
1: Hmm. Kind of an interesting, side note that you know you look at the West Virginia game for Tech it was you know at home and it ended up being a close game what's weird about that game is that Tech wasn't having that much success with Bowman at quarterback but whenever Bowman got injured and I can't even remember was it Duffy or whether whether the backup was like that guy ended up having eh, his numbers aren't that great but whatever I mean whatever he did I mean Texas Tech came back and made that a game and West Virginia had to hold on so he can
0: run got, and that's what West yeah. Virginia particularly struggles with which is why and, I'm and not West, and they were not yeah. prepared for it yeah yeah which is why I'm not insanely concerned about that Morgantown game because I think OU is going to is going to be able to run the ball right down their throats but
1: yeah the reason I brought that up is cuz people might be people might be thinking well you know who else has tech played this year at home that's good it's like well West Virginia is pretty good and they they only lost to him by eight points, but they didn't have their quarterback for more than half the game. So, I mean, it's not like Tech hasn't been battle-tested. Tech has. Tech's played some good teams. Going on the road at Iowa State's tough, tough environment. I mean, they were in the game. They, they lost. But uh, anyways, yeah. So, I mean, Grant, you and I are clearly high on OU. Um, one, I guess, one cautionary point to end it on before we move on to the rest of the show. And I thought of this today whenever I heard Curtis Bolton and Ruff McNeil talking. You know, it was after two games early in the year, the first two games, Oklahoma's defense was looking pretty good. We were feeling pretty confident, but it was that third game against Iowa State where we kind of started thinking, "Uh uh-oh, something might be happening here. It may not be as good as we thought. Okay, so now we're two games through the Ruffin McNeil era. Pretty good, pretty confident. Actually, the game two was better than game one, which the UCLA game was definitely not better than the FAU game. So at least there, there was improvement from TCU to Kansas State, so that's good. Game three now. Are we going to be disappointed? that's that's a little bit of concerning. a bit of a concern for me there though, is especially against the best offense Oklahoma's, I think seen this year. Some uh, let's go to listener comments. So before earlier in the day, I posted on Facebook just to listeners out there to you know what is something you're confident will happen when Oklahoma plays tech? and what is your biggest concern for the game? So we have a few comments I'll go through now. Benjamin says, I'm pretty sure Oklahoma's offense is going to shove tech around on Saturday. I think Kyler and all the weapons he has at his disposal is going to be too much for them to handle. And then Benjamin goes with, I'm still not too confident in the Oklahoma defense. Yes, Oklahoma's dominated the past two games against poorly performing offenses, but Tech is going to be the first real test we face since Ruffin McNeil took over. Two points that are incredibly reasonable, and I think Benjamin is uh, on par, and I, I'm definitely more confident, I think, in the, the, the defense than Benjamin is, but it makes 100% sense for him to not be that confident because we, we have been let down over and over again for the past few years when it comes to Oklahoma's defense. Your thoughts on Benjamin's thoughts?
0: Now his thoughts are, are pretty, much, pretty much in line with mine. Um, I think you certainly have a little more confidence in the defense than I do. Um, I, I, I think Tech is still going to make some plays. I'm just, I, I think they're going to make some mistakes as well. Yeah, I um, think they're
1: going to make some plays. I mean, uh, it's, it's too good of an offense to not make plays. So,
0: I, I mean, I, there's, there's going to be some moments in this game where I think OU fans are, are upset at the defense, most likely. Okay.
1: Next comment from Facebook. Steve says he's confident that we will score points, confident Oklahoma will score points, and bucketfuls of points. <laughs> um, all right, so, oh, I, I haven't even read this yet, so this is going to – I like this comment from Steve. He says, side note, my car battery died west of Everest on Monday, literally in that Wilkinson parking lot. Hopefully that doesn't mean anything just a factoid. Wow. I love that. I mean, I don't love that your car battery died, but I love that you referenced West of Everest. And that's something that we haven't even mentioned once on this podcast. We've never actually talked about the name of the podcast, Grant. Which I, you, know, you know what it tells me? It tells me that we've never been asked about it by fans and by listeners. It tells me that the listeners of the show are smart and they're true Oklahoma fans, and they understand where the, where the name came from, and they didn't need an explanation for it. Are you sure we've never talked about it? I don't think we have. I don't remember ever going over why our podcast is called West of Everest until, until now, and I guess, well, Steve basically brought it up in, in Facebook, and it's because Oklahoma, they have the Everest Training Center, and the stadium is located west of Everest. Well,
0: there it is. There
1: you go. So hopefully your car battery is now back and alive. Steve and hopefully it is not a bad omen for OU Texas Tech that would be tragic lastly Chase says his uh he just says this is not the 2016 game which he's happy about I really don't think I can handle something like that again nobody should ever have to handle something like that again Chase
0: that was that That. was such a weird game though because I obviously it was almost sickening to watch but I, I honestly, during that game, never really thought that they were going to lose or had any sort of, because I I, I just knew Texas Tech had had literally no prayer of stopping Oklahoma in that game. Um, yeah, and, I will. Yeah. As far as I, and and I I went back I I went back and watched the highlights of that game. Um, that game was more uh, more impressive for Pat Mahomes than it was for Baker Mayfield. Um, there was there there were just guys all over the field for OU making Tech look terrible. So you know I that that texas tech defense from 2016 was just atrocious so so bad
1: oh <laughs> uh, okay let's go to the rest of the show we got the big 12 games of the week we'll talk about quickly then we'll cross them off then we'll uh if you're listening to our our podcast and thinking hey why haven't we talked about the college football playoff rankings yet uh, we'll, we'll touch on it the reason why we haven't talked about it is because i honestly i don't think it's that big of a deal right now we'll, we'll see if grant's Got different thoughts. And then finally, we'll make our picks against the spread. So first off, big 12 games this week. Iowa State's at Kansas. And so here we go. So last week, TCU was at Kansas. And TCU was a 14-point favorite. And Kansas won straight up, outright. Now we got Iowa State, a much better team right now than TCU, going to Lawrence. And Iowa State's favored by 14.5. So just a half-point more than tcu was i mean is this too easy iowa state minus 14 and a half
0: that's easy money
1: baby that
0: is easy money and i know that a
1: bizarre line though because why wouldn't iowa state be favored by hell by three touchdowns in this game
0: i this is because people
1: would take kansas that easily because plus 21 after kansas just won a game i don't know maybe
0: one of the rare moments where i'm really questioning vegas's wisdom on this one i i I mean this I feel like this spread should be almost a touchdown bigger. Or at least least 20 and a half.
1: For those who aren't really into sports betting and gambling, what this line is essentially saying is that Vegas thinks, you know, one week later, Vegas is basically saying TCU... Or no, I'll put it this way. They're saying Iowa State is just one half point better than TCU. Like, what? (laughs) Uh... No. Yeah,
0: I, I mean, yeah, this is this is a game that I I envision oh, Iowa State winning this game like like thirty eight to seven somewhere in that range.
1: Yeah, it's still, it's a fishy line though. All right, so I just want to talk about that. It's kind of interesting. You got Oklahoma State laying seven and a half at Baylor. That's that could be a trap game for Oklahoma State. I could see Baylor not only covering the seven and a half points, but I could see Baylor winning this game outright. I, could I mean, s- more more time to prepare after. You know, playing on Thursday, and they just were embarrassed the last time out against West Virginia. Plus, you got the letdown factor with Oklahoma State coming off their biggest win of the year. Charlie Brewerly is in concussion protocol, though. Oh, is he? Uh, okay. If, yeah, their if, other their, their other quarterback isn't McClendon's not nearly as good as Brewer.
0: If uh, if, if Brewer doesn't play, I don't. B- Baylor's not going to win. The
1: uh, the big Big Twelve game of the week, aside from Oklahoma, Texas Tech and I guess you could make the argument this is a bigger one because it's two-ranked teams, West Virginia at Texas. We're going to save that one for our pick section. And then uh, K-State goes at TCU. TCU is an 8.5-point favorite. No Cavante Turpin. Uh, Collins is still the quarterback. I mean, TCU getting 8.5 points. I mean, Kansas State gotten bears by Oklahoma. I, I, might, I mean, I'm not going to bet this game, but I think if I was forced to, I think I would take the 8.5 points with K-State. I TCU would. is in a tailspin.
0: Yeah, if I if I had, I mean, I'd, I'd run as far away from this game as humanly possible. That's that's not a game I'm touching. I mean, that's that's two teams. I don't want to watch this game. No, at all oh god, either. no! Yeah. What a that that would just be a terrible watch. I had two teams that are that seem like they're collapsing.
1: All right, Grant, let's cross them off. And I don't have anybody to add to the list
0: this week. Do you? Nor do I. I feel like that will change at, at this time next week, probably. Yeah.
1: I agree. So let's just move on to the college football playoff rankings. They came out on uh Tuesday. Oklahoma is what seventh? It was exactly where they are in the AP rankings. Uh the the one comment I have on this I'd say is I think it's it's it doesn't matter, but I, I don't understand why LSU is number three ahead of uh what they're head of Notre Dame, right? Yeah. I You don't understand don't, you, like
0: you really don't understand. Like that's I mean LSU's
1: I mean, it doesn't matter because they're playing Alabama this week, so one of those teams will lose and it'll change. But I mean, I, I think I mean Notre Dame. Yeah, they haven't been as impressive lately, especially against against Pitt. But I think they have played a, a pretty good schedule and they're unbeaten at eight no. I think Notre Dame should be three and LSU should be four. But I mean, I think it doesn't doesn't matter that much. I think
0: it, I think that's kind of a simplistic argument. Hey, I, I think I think Notre Dame is better than LSU. Um, but at the same time, we play the games for a reason. And I think, I mean, LSU probably has the best collection of wins in the country. Um, I think, Lee, I, I, I think if you swapped like names there, I, I feel like if Oklahoma had the same resume as LSU, you'd be totally fine with them being ahead of Notre Dame. Uh, but, you know,
1: yeah, I mean, maybe it's the committee setting a setting a precedent, though. It's like, hey, we're actually going to we really do care a lot about. Who you played? You I, um, don't the really care that you're undefeated,
0: and you know, what, I Notre Notre Dame's a good team. I, I'm like, but but people, you know, forget very quickly that you know they, they probably should have lost to Vanderbilt. They they struggled to beat a uh, who is the team? They struggled to beat at home the mid major. I'm pulling they, it up really quick. Oh. Ball State. They barely beat. Yeah, Ball but State. see,
1: but it's all different though because I was back when Brandon Wimbush was still playing quarterback, and he's just really truly. That's terrible. fair. That's fair. But also, I so mean,
0: then yeah. I'll throw out the Pitt game then too. I mean, Pitt's not a good team that they barely yeah. beat. Um, you know, I, I think Notre Dame, I, I think Notre Dame's team is very similar to last year's team. I, I think they are, you know, the only difference this year being they they really don't have a, a marquee game to play down the stretch. They they, they play a bunch of, of, of solid to okay teams to average teams down the stretch. Um, wouldn't be surprised at all if Notre Dame loses. Um, I, I think they're still kind of limited in, in, in ways that people don't quite realize yet. Grant, You
1: and I listened to you know. Let, let, let's save. Let's save this for when we, we talk about Notre Dame here in a moment. So, any other comments on the on the playoff rankings? No, I, I don't have any. The,
0: the only thing that the the biggest uh, thing that stood out to me, Lee, was Iowa State being in there at twenty four. I mean, that was the, um, and you know, very soon after I said, don't be surprised if you see Iowa State in the in the committee top twenty five soon. So, I'll, I'll. Yeah, whoever whoever won that game on
1: Saturday between them and Texas Tech was. I mean. I guess was was going to be ranked and the, as they should have been.
0: I think Tech has a I, I think Tech maybe should have been in there too, but you know, I mean, whatever. That's
1: yeah. If Tech and Virginia played, you, you telling me that Virginia would be favored over Texas Tech. No way. No,
0: no, definitely not. But I mean, they're, but they're
1: Virginia's six and two. So yeah, and there
0: could be some you know like resume stuff going on there. Even though I I I have a hard time believing that Virginia has any win better than you know on the road at Oklahoma State by twenty four points. But I digress. Well, I guess Virginia beat Miami, but Miami's not very good. I would so. yeah, I, I would take Texas Tech over over Miami pretty you know pretty easily as well. That's what I all right, let's get to the picks. And
1: last week, Grant, you and I were each three and two. So I think we're we're kind of starting to get a feel for it. I mean, we're still right around five hundred for the year. You're you're two games above five hundred for the year, Grant. You're twenty one and nineteen against the spread. I am twenty and twenty, so right at five hundred. So we're kind of starting to figure it out a little bit. A lot of big games this week. So the first up, we'll start with uh, you know the the second biggest game in the SEC. We got Georgia, the sixth ranked Georgia Bulldogs at number nine Kentucky. Georgia minus nine in this
0: game, Grant, and I like Georgia. What about you? I lean Georgia, only just because Kentucky, I mean Kentucky's offense is is bad. It's it's not good. But, you know, they, they really do try to get the run game going, and Georgia Lee has really struggled to defend the run this year. They, they, have, they really have not been able to replace Roquan Smith. Um, so I, I could envision a scenario where Kentucky is able to move the chains a little bit, um, get, their, get their really excellent defense on the field. You know, Georgia's, I, I think, along the offensive line, they've been a little suspect this year as well. Um, you know, at Kentucky, you know, anything could happen, but, I mean, Georgia just has such a huge talent advantage. And so I, I, I lean them, but I, I can easily see a scenario where, where Kentucky wins this game, or covers at least.
1: All right, so here's my handicap of the game, and I think after I get get done with this handicap, you're going to change and you're going to say, oh yeah, I like Georgia. Here's why I like Georgia, Grant. Georgia, their biggest game of the year today I, okay put this way I, I like teams that like i, I go like over the schedule have they been tested all right so early on in the year they they went to they went to south carolina beat the crap out of south carolina turns out south carolina's and nah, they're not that great their next kind of big test was missouri at missouri and they kind of i'm talking about georgia they kind of putzed around a little bit ended up beating missouri by two touchdowns wasn't all that impressive but missouri let's be honest missouri's not that great either when drew Locke plays against real teams he's not very good so up to that point, they hadn't really played anybody, in my opinion, that was that great. Finally, though, they go to LSU. They go to LSU on the road, and I know the final score was probably a little bit worse than it really was, but LSU controlled that game, and they got, they got thumped. And it was like, all right, well, we're Georgia. We got a little bit of a, a wake-up call there on the road and one of the, the toughest places to play in the country. Saw a really good defense. All right, let's figure this out. Very next game, they had a bye. They play a Florida team. Florida's offense is not that great. Very good defense, though. Neutral site location. And, I mean, I know they it was, it was close for three quarters, but they pulled away. They beat Florida pretty good. Okay, now they, they're they like, all right, we beat Florida. Florida's a pretty good team. Now we're confident. Now they got to go on the road again, this time to Kentucky. At Kentucky, after they've already experienced at LSU, one of the most difficult places to play, playing at Kentucky is not going to be overwhelming whatsoever you got a Kentucky team that's got a good defense that's their strength but a Kentucky team that hasn't played an offense anywhere near as good as Georgia's offense and that, the best offense Kentucky's played was Texas A&M and granted that was in College Station Texas A&M's got a good offense and Kentucky played okay in that game and got the win they, they beat Texas A&M 20 to four. oh no I'm sorry no, they, they lost they
0: lost in overtime
1: they lost oh they lost the game well even better and wow my handicap even better that was the only game kentucky's lost this year on the road they only managed 14 points a&m scored 20 i think georgia's probably got a better offense to some extent you know more experienced quarterback than uh than a maybe though mon you, played last you year you think
0: they have a better offense of course they have a better offense than a&m like well, considerably. No, offense is
1: good though a&m's offense is good it's been struggling recently though uh, so anyway so, so you got Georgia against, uh, you know, a pretty good offense. Kentucky se- has not seen an offense. The best offense compared to this is A&M, and they lost that game. So it's probably a better offense in Georgia, who's kind of starting to f- play a little bit better. And on the flip side, you got Kentucky, who's got an okay defense, and their offense is atrocious. I mean, Georgia's defense is finally going to face a team that's incredibly one-dimensional, that runs the ball. And you mentioned they don't run the ball very well, or they don't stop the run very well, but Kentucky cannot throw the football. So Georgia will load up, take that away from them. And then the capper of why I like Georgia, did you see the way Kentucky celebrated their win over Missouri last week? It was like they won the SEC title. They had like, they were like crowd-surfing Mark Stoops in the locker room. Like You're going you're gonna to celebrate that much over a win over kind of like an average Missouri team? You're set up for a big-time letdown when you face a real Georgia team. I like Georgia – winning by at least double digits
0: jeez we spent a lot of time talking about kentucky georgia
1: well it's because i was listening to this podcast same one you may have listened to do, and they were they were trying to make a case for kentucky and i wish i was in there on the podcast with them because i would have made a i would have made that case for georgia and they would all been like
0: oh yeah that's a that's a pretty good handicap and they would have felt dumb lee per uh per snp kentucky's offense is worse than than kansas state's and yeah I, I mean
1: kentucky was was lucky to win that game last week over oh missouri. oh yeah
0: what, the, what was their win expectancy actually they had a 64 percent win expectancy i'll have to look at that apparently missouri didn't pick up a first down oh that's after why half-time. yeah that's why that that'll happen when missouri only gained like 15 yards in the second half it's incredible that's hilarious it's incredible. oh man yeah lee missouri had a nine percent success rate in the second half of that game good lord mm. <laughs> that's that's yeah, true
1: i mean drew when drew Locke plays against a team with a pulse he's not very good so uh, thoughts and prayers to whatever nfl team's fan base drafts him all right so we're both on georgia you're leaning i like uh, next game west virginia at texas and i've kind of kind of gone back and forth on this one i uh, texas is favored by one and a half at home i mean it's a it's an easy spot to pick texas because they they're coming off a loss on the road you got West Virginia kind of high off of a big win over Baylor, but Texas has got a pretty good defense, even though I'm not as big, as big of a fan of it anymore uh, as, as much as I was before. And, you know, West Virginia, you got the, in your back of your head, oh, they went on the road a couple weeks ago and just got destroyed by Iowa State, couldn't move the ball at all. But, Grant, I, I'll tell you what, man, I, I don't like this Texas team. And when I know they're just a slight favorite. When there's a little bit of expectation behind Texas, they don't play as well. And I like West Virginia. I, I'm not surprised they got beat up as bad by Iowa State because Iowa State's really good. Uh, the yardage output against Iowa State was surprising, though. But anyways, I'm gonna I'm gonna lean towards West Virginia plus one and a half, and it's only a lean because over the years it's it's tough to trust West Virginia in these spots. But I'm gonna lean that way with West Virginia. What about you?
0: I also lean West Virginia for almost the exact same reason. Texas. Uh, under Tom Herman or basically under, you know, Tom Herman's entire coaching career, his teams just aren't as good favored. They come out and they play like world beaters when they're underdogs. If, if, if it was, if if this, if this spread was flipped, I'd, I'd take Texas and I know that's kind of stupid, but I mean, there's, there's precedent there for Tom Herman teams. So I'll, yeah. And you know, I, I just, I do think on a neutral field, I think West Virginia is a better team than Texas.
1: And that's what, uh, that's what the line's saying. I mean, if, you know you get three points for home field they're basically saying that West Virginia is one and a half points better right now than than Texas so um what was I gonna say what are your thoughts is this uh you know after last week's loss to Oklahoma State Texas is basically I mean they're done they can't make the college football playoff now it uh, yeah what do they have to play for is that I mean that you gotta figure that out your handicap as well. I mean, West Virginia still has everything to play for too.
0: Well, I mean, they, I mean got, they still they got stuff to play for. I mean, their first their first Big Twelve title in a decade, first time they've gone to a a, a BCS game or a New Year's six game in a decade. That's I mean, that's a lot to play yeah, for. I,
1: yeah, I base everything off of national. I titles, know it's I guess, super so. easy so for you to say that when handicap. that's
0: I mean, that's that's kind of an every year occurrence for OU. That's pretty easy to say, but I mean they they got they got plenty to play for. They can still win a Big Twelve title.
1: All right, all right, fair enough. All right, next, uh, that's a 2.30 kickoff, by the way, West Virginia, Texas. This next one's a 2.45 kickoff, and I have not done enough, as much research on this game as I would have liked. Yeah, it's tough when we record these on Wednesday nights, and uh, it should be enough time, but it just, it's been a busy week. But anyways, Penn State at Michigan. Michigan is favored by 10.5 points. I, You know what, I, I'm not very high on penn state right now i think i think a month or so ago i made a comment maybe where it's like i'm higher on penn state this year even though i shouldn't be because they're not even really they're not even as good as they were last year it's just there's something about them i i they're they're not as good as they were last year they just really they aren't i mean they they almost lost to iowa they could have lost to iowa last week i was a good team uh then you got michigan who i have been calling fool's gold But I'm going to lean Penn State plus ten and a half, and I'm going to go by this one factor. I I I think Michigan's a bully when they play against teams that are obviously that they're obviously better than. I don't know if the talent on Michigan is obviously better than Penn State, and I just I think Penn State's defense, you know, being underdogs by ten and a half points, I think their defense is going to be able to to control Michigan's offense a good amount because I I don't like Michigan's offense. I just don't. I like their their defense a lot. Uh, but this is going to be the best offense that Michigan's defense has faced, so I'll, I'll bank on that as well. I don't know. I think Michigan's probably going to win this game, but uh, I—it's too many points to swallow with Michigan and their limited offense. So I'm going
0: to take. I'm going to lean Penn State plus ten and a half. I want to take Penn State so bad in this game. That's what my head tells me to do, Lee. I don't. But I just—I I have a feeling. I—I I, I have a feeling that Michigan is is going to come out and and beat them pretty easily. I I lean Michigan. It's it. This is this is a total flyer and a feeling. I my head is telling me that Penn State covers and maybe wins, but I I don't know. My just a feeling pulls me towards Michigan. I
1: just I don't see Michigan there at the end of the year. I mean I know they're the, they're the hot trendy you know pick from the Big Ten. I just if that team ends up making the playoff, I'm going to be so disappointed because I just don't think they're that particularly fun to watch and that particularly impressive. Uh, the next game, six fifteen. we got a night game Notre Dame laying nine and a half at Northwestern. so here's the 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 story I was gonna bring up earlier with this. Uh, this is tough. I don't this is I feel the same way about this uh, this game as the last game or I didn't do as much research as I would have liked. Um, I, do you listen to, uh, We listen to the same gambling podcast? I don't know did you do you listen to that podcast a lot? Did you listen to it? I haven't listened I haven't listened to it this week yet. So everyone on this podcast, College Football Podcast, they have a bet. And one of the guys basically like three or three of the guys are on on one side of the bet, one guy's on the other side of the bet. Basically, it's if Notre Dame loses a game, will they make the playoff? And three guys are on the side of yes, they will make the playoff and they're that's like the underdog side, like they're getting, you know, plus 400. And then there's one guy that's like no, they're not going to make the playoff, which that's the favorite side. I think I think there's no I, I shouldn't say no chance but I think it's it's almost 0% chance if Notre Dame loses a game grant they're making the playoff. So I'm just going to get your your take on that cuz like all the guys that are like on the side of if Notre Dame loses uh they'll make the playoff. They're all excited about their bet, which I think that they're crazy. I think if if Notre Dame loses they're not going to make the playoff. What do you think?
0: I mean, it depends what what happens, you know, throughout the rest of the season with other teams. So, I mean, I I I think They'll certainly be at a disadvantage, you know, going up against one-loss conference champions. We'll see. I don't know. I, I mean, I think that is going to be, I, outside of that win against Michigan, they they really don't have a ton of incredibly impressive wins. They've just kind of played a lot of just middle of the road teams this year that happen to be in the Power Five. You know, I I I don't know. It's I we're gonna have to see how the rest of the season plays out. I I think. That it's likely, I, I think a one-loss Big Ten champ and and a one or a one-loss Big Twelve champ would likely be ahead of them in the pecking order. But I, I'd like to see how everything plays out. I mean, we just don't know yet. Um, but gosh, what a
1: what a conservative
0: answer! What, for what, that how question. am I supposed to? How am I supposed what to answer What a nuanced
1: and reason and reasoned answer.
0: Because otherwise, otherwise it's just a freaking. I just think it's just they a have shot a significant in the dark.
1: disadvantage without having that that conference title game to play for. I think that having one fewer game, that's why they need to go unbeaten. And plus, again, their schedule is it's it's good. It's not great. So, and especially at this point in the year, any game they lose, and I guess Syracuse is ranked now. So I mean that wouldn't be a terrible loss based on rankings. But I, I'd say like any game they lose from now, on, now and out's now, not that like that good of a loss. Because USC's down, Northwestern. I, I know they're playing this week. Northwestern's playing a little better, but Northwestern ain't that great. And then uh, who's the other team they play? I'm blanking on whoever else they play. Oh, I have uh... their. I had their schedule pulled. Oh, up Florida here. State, who is an absolute joke. So wait, they
0: play Florida State? Yeah. Are you sure about that? Yeah, after Northwestern. Uh, oh, they do. Interesting. Yeah, Florida State's terrible. Yeah, they're bad. Everybody, everybody, just real quick.
1: Everybody that was like. On FSU plus 16 or plus 17 last week and like say, oh, FSU's going to give Clemson a closer game than people think. You're idiots. You are absolute idiots. If you'd watched Clemson the la- at all since basically the week or two before and you watched Florida State, like that was easily going to be a blowout. And I'm just mad that I didn't have a chance to put my money where my mouth was on that one. goodness gracious all right so anyways uh we're going too long uh grant i i'm gonna lean northwestern they're playing well right now uh notre dame was on the road last week another road game this week that's tough uh for whatever reason northwestern again seems to be playing okay they played michigan pretty tough i'm I don't particularly think Northwestern's that great, but nine and a half points. Uh, N- Notre Dame is nine and a half point favorite, so Northwestern's getting nine and a half points at home. I'll I'll take Northwestern, but I'm going to lean that way. I'm not that confident. What about you,
0: Lee? I like Northwestern in this game, and it really. I, I don't think Northwestern is particularly good. In fact, I think they're they're probably closer to below average than good. But I, there's there's something about them this year where they're just they kind of play everybody close. They do have a I mean they they have a solid defense. It's not good by any stretch of the imagination, but they can get off the field. And they've just had a propensity of playing people close this, uh this year, Lee. This is Ian Books' first legitimate road night start. And that's significant. Um and I think I, I'm not I'm not confident in saying Northwestern is going to win this game, but I think it's definitely going to be close. I think it's going to come down that's to not, the wire. That's not
1: true by the way. They, he he had a he had a road night start at Vatech and played really well. Oh, you know, I totally forgot about that game. Yeah, it's, You know why? Because Vatech is not very good. Yeah, good on it, you. Tur- that's that's a good it, pull. It turns out Vatech's not very good, <laughs> which we should have known when they lost to Old Dominion.
0: Like goodness. You know, they weren't they weren't great on offense in that game against Virginia Tech though. Only a 40 percent success rate had had well the, the second and covered. third second and third quarters they were pretty much listless on offense All right. um, I mean I mean they I mean they won by 22, so it's not like they played poorly or anything, but probably had a lot more to do with their uh, their defense than it did their offense. and finally, the biggest game of the week,
1: Alabama. At LSU, Alabama is laying fifteen points. The last I checked, uh, I know, I know how you feel about this one, Grant. You know how I feel about this one. I, I want to like it. I'm gonna lean. I lean LSU plus fifteen. And the only reason, the only reason why I don't like it is because of Alabama's history of having. Really, only getting beat or having trouble with quarterbacks that are mobile. That's the only reason why I think that makes that that yeah yeah that's really that's kind of it. Like I, I'm not I I think LSU's offense is capable. I don't think it's good. It's capable, and I think LSU's defense is really good and so much better than any defense that Alabama has seen up to this point. And you got LSU at home at night getting more than two touchdowns and they've been in this position before twice this year uh a, a underdog on, on the road i guess it was against auburn not only covered but one outright at home a big underdog to georgia and pretty much beat the crap out of georgia now they get you know obviously the bet the best team they're gonna have played uh it's just i don't think i i, I don't think lsu's lost at home by double digits in years and i know this is a different situation as alabama's really good but uh i just I'm a, I'm higher on LSU than a lot of people are and definitely more than you so I'm going to again just because of the quarterback thing I I want to like LSU but I'm only going to lean LSU plus 15. What about you?
0: Lee, my dream scenario in this game is for LSU to harass to attack of Viola and deliver the Heisman trophy to Kyler Murray. That's not going to happen though. Alabama's going to win this game by three touchdowns.
1: So it sounds like you like Alabama.
0: Yeah, I like Alabama. Um I just I I find it interesting that so you you lean LSU because of Alabama's history with mobile quarterbacks. And so you're and, – and I know I, I know Joe Burrow can move a little bit, but you're actually labeling Joe Burrow as a mobile quarterback and you're actually using – No, no, I'm not. The opposite.
1: Wait, what? I'm saying he's not. The opposite. That's because cause Joe Burrow is not. He's not like a mobile quarterback. So, therefore, Alabama's defense could have a lot more success against him. That's why oh, I only lean I gotcha. LSU. If, I, if Joe Burrow was a little bit more mobile, and like, then I would I would fully like, or or if the history of Alabama's defense against like mobile and non-mobile quarterbacks wasn't a thing, then I would easily like LSU.
0: Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, I, I just I I think LSU is terrible on offense, and I think they're going to struggle to get really anything consistently going. Um, I, I think it's I think it's likely that LSU probably throws some curveballs at Alabama's offense in this game, gets them off the field a couple times, maybe turns Tua over a bit. Uh, but I I think LSU is going to have is going to have too many three and outs, maybe too many turnovers, and Alabama is going to be able to take advantage of it. I like Alabama to win something like thirty eight to seventeen or like thirty eight to seven or fourteen or something like that. And
1: this is a game we'll, we'll truly see if Alabama is really as good as. Everyone thinks they are. I mean, talking about this this is like a a generational team, one of the best ever. I mean, their schedule has been terrible outside of Texas A&M.
0: That defense can be had, man. I'm just telling you. That OU, I think, would go up and down the field on that defense. Well, the
1: thing is, too, I mean, Tua's great. Don't get me wrong, but he has not seen a a defense yet. He just hasn't. And LSU – has one of the best defenses in the country. I think, I mean, LSU's better than any defense that Kyler's seen. I think Iowa State's the best defense that Kyler Murray has seen this year. I think LSU's got a better defense than Kyler Murray That's or than uh, Iowa State. That's not crazy, obviously, because look at the talent discrepancy. So, I mean, I, I'm curious to see Tua Taglifailoa against a real defense, uh, really for the first time since the national title game when he played a half and, and played pretty well against Georgia. He did make some mistakes, obviously, but brought Alabama back to win that game. So, I mean, the, the dude's awesome. You know, uh, but it's 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 been a long time since he's 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 been under pressure,
0: and not just a really good defense, Lee. But you know, LSU might have the best secondary in the country. They definitely have the best corner in the country. Uh, they have the best, yeah, they got they have the best safety and best corner in the country, which is significant. Um, Although and, I did
1: hear in that podcast that I listened to that if you listen to it, you'll hear it too. Apparently, uh, one of LSU's starting defensive backs, I I, I couldn't. it's no, not it's, greedy. Williams. It's their
0: starting middle linebacker is suspended for the first half. Devin White. I thought he's not. Oh, he's a linebacker. Not a,
1: yeah. See that's. See that that hurts. Yeah, he's basically. I mean, you, you, yeah, he's like you the, miss you miss your middle linebacker for two quarters. Ugh, yeah, don't as don't of like as of
0: right now, he's probably the buckest winner. Um, which shows oh, you gosh. just just how much of a drop off there was. And Roquan Smith is so freaking good. Who won it last year? And then there's this Devin White guy who's also a really really good player, but does not command the the spotlight like Roquan Smith did. Um, yeah, Lee. I mean, I just I. I think LSU's got a lot of really good players, and I think yeah, I, I I really feel like if if your offense is this good, Alabama, it shouldn't really matter. I I have quite a bit of confidence that Kyler Murray and Oklahoma would step into Death Valley and put forty up. Can can Alabama? We're gonna find out. All right. So a quick recap: Georgia, Kentucky, both
1: of us are on Georgia. West Virginia, Texas, both of us lean West Virginia. Penn State, Michigan, I lean Penn State, Grant leans Michigan, Notre Dame, Northwestern, I lean Northwestern, Grant likes Northwestern, and uh, just to be, I guess, more specific, Georgia, Kentucky, I like Georgia, Grant leans Georgia, and then finally, Alabama, LSU, I lean LSU, Grant likes Alabama. Uh, That's it for today. Enjoy Oklahoma versus Texas Tech. We'll be back Monday to break it all down. For Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest.